Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. The sermon text is, uh, I think, all the readings today. Maybe seated. Festival of St. Barnabas. Okay, here we go. In the name of Jesus, who needs a little encouragement? Hmm, life can be rough and tough. A boost from a buddy ain't so bad, and we get that boost from that buddy this morning. Welcome to the Feast of St. Barnabas. And this is when you start scratching your head, asking, who is St. Barnabas? Probably not someone you've heard much about. Uh, even, even for me, dear friends, uh, I haven't given much thought to St. Barnabas. But it's high time! It's high time to give this guy some air time so that we are encouraged and encouraging at this time, in this day, in this age. After all, Barnabas, that name means son of encouragement. And what a son of encouragement Barnabas was to that first century church. The first time that uh, we hear about Barnabas is in Acts chapter 4, and he's listing his property with Remax, or maybe it's Century 21. I don't know. <laughs> Acts 4, verses 36 and 37. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Barnabas sold his chunk of real estate and gave the money to the Jerusalem church because the Jerusalem church was in need financially. You have to think about this for a moment. I mean, when Jews were converting from Judaism to Christianity in Jerusalem, many of those folks lost their jobs, and they couldn't put bread on the table. And Barnabas didn't want his brothers and sisters to go hungry, and so he brought with them to Jerusalem every penny he made on that sale of property, helping out his brothers and his sisters Barnabas did not put a wall between congregations. No, that wasn't how Barnabas ruled. Barnabas, he knew that one problem, a problem in one congregation, was a problem for every congregation. What a son of encouragement. Now, Barnabas, yeah, he traveled to Jerusalem and helped out his brothers and sisters there. He did not hunker down, though, in Jerusalem. He did not stay there for his whole life. This man was generous, not just with his wallet, but also with his witness, his witness to the Christ. I mean, you heard about his road trip to Antioch. That's our second reading this morning. Acts chapter 11. Uh, why Antioch? Why the third largest city in the Roman Empire at the time? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> Since 
Maybe you're asking. Maybe you're not. I'm going to tell you anyway. Here we go. Okay, the Jerusalem church, they got reports that uh, there were converts. The word was working among the pagans, the Gentiles, the non-Jews. Were the reports the real deal? Or was this a bunch of rubbish? All lies. See, what caught the Jerusalem church by surprise is the fact that the Jewish Christians in Antioch were only sharing the gospel with other Jews. But there were men from Cyprus, non-Jews, who shared the gospel with the pagans, and they heard the gospel, they believed the gospel, they smashed their idols into bits and pieces, they bowed down to Jesus, and they confessed him God and Lord. And so the Jerusalem church, they sent Barnabas. I mean, he was from Cyprus, after all. So Cyprus person going to talk to Cyprus people in Antioch. And he goes there to investigate whether or not this is the work of the Holy Spirit in what Barnabas discovers. So encouraging. Acts 11, verses 23 and 24. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. This was indeed the work of the Holy Spirit, the work of God. Barnabas cheered them on. What a son of encouragement. Now, Barnabas didn't just, you know, scram, make like a tree and get out of there. He stayed. He stayed and witnessed to Jesus. He let the gospel fly. And the church in Antioch flourished, grew by leaps and bounds. And in Barnabas... He was getting a little overworked, a little overwhelmed. Better call Saul. <laughs> That's what he did. You know, Saul, the man who hated the church before, now he loved the church. He was now a son of God, a brother in Christ. But not everyone was so optimistic. There were many Christians who were a bit skeptical since, you know, Paul, Saul, uh, made killing Christians such a spectacle. So there were these Christians, many of them, that kind of stayed away from Saul, thinking, well, is this just a show? Is he playing games with our hearts? Is he just wearing a mask? Is, 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 is this only a facade? Is he really a Christian? Now, this was probably kind of discouraging for, uh, for, 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 for Saul. <laughs> Does anyone like me? Does anyone want to play games with me? I'm such damaged goods. Well, Barnabas did not treat Saul like the plague. Barnabas went to Saul as a living letter of recommendation. Oh, what encouragement Barnabas was to Saul when he came to him in Tarsus and said, Oh, Saul, you're one of us. You're my brother. I know some doubt. I don't. Come with me. There is work for us to do in Antioch. The Lord has good use for you. The Lord has need of you and of your witness. Come with me. 
What a son of encouragement. Barnabas, though, did not always live up to his name, and this brought him some shame. Barnabas, uh, he pops up over 40 times in the New Testament. Not a small character at all. And almost every time he pops up, almost every time he appears, he's with, he's with <gasps> Saul, who would later become Paul, his co-worker in the ministry. Oh yes, Paul and Barnabas, quite the ministry team, put together by the Holy Spirit himself. We hear about this in the second reading, don't we? Acts 13, 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And the church agreed. The church gave Paul and Barnabas their blessing, and they set sail. Set sail they did. They shared the gospel, the good news of Jesus, with nation after nation all around the Mediterranean. This didn't last that long, though. Uh, they would end up going their separate ways. That happened before the second missionary journey. Why Splitsville? Why did Barnabas and Paul go their separate ways? Maybe the answer is found in Galatians chapter 2. After the first missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas back in Antioch, preaching the gospel there, and P -p -p Peter shows up. He, he comes to visit Paul and Barnabas, and Paul has a couple words with Peter. He calls him out. See, Peter was living inconsistently with the gospel. You know, that never happens with us, right? Oh, no, never. Peter, uh, how he was living was putting the gospel in jeopardy. See, Jesus is for everyone. But the way that Peter was living conveyed a completely different message. Oh, sure, Peter was eating and drinking at the Lord's table, eating and drinking the Lord's Supper with everyone, both Jew and Gentile, both male and female, both young and old, both rich and poor. But when it came to his dindin at his digs in his house he put a fence around his dining room table and there was a sign that said Jews only Peter whining and dining with Jews only um, how did that make the non-Jews Gentiles feel <laughs> Like you and me, you know, we are Gentiles. Probably left out, bottom of the totem pole, not enough, last place, not encouraging at all. And as you know, Peter had quite the pull in the early church, and uh, he actually caused Barnabas to go astray. And this really shocked Paul. We hear about how shocked he was in Galatians chapter 2, where he says, 
how amazed he is that Barnabas also followed Peter in eating and drinking with Jews only. Galatians 2.13. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with Peter, so that even Barnabas, even Barnabas, my co-worker, my brother in Christ, the guy I set sail with, was led astray by their hypocrisy. No son of encouragement here, more like a son of discouragement. Paul parted ways with Barnabas. We are not always encouraging either. All of us, like Barnabas, have gone astray at times, and we have lived as though Jesus is not for everyone. I'm not going to invite that guy to my house ever, because he is a Republican, or because she is a Democrat. I, I really can't talk with that family because, you know, I have seen their social media. Yuck. So scary. I really don't think I could ever be friends with my neighbors because, well, those bumper stickers. <laughs> those bumper stickers tell me absolutely everything. I'm just going to keep my distance from those folks because I don't want, especially the people in church, to think I'm affirming or accepting. Dear friends, just as Barnabas separated himself from them, we have at times done the same. And our actions speak louder than words. It shames those folks. When we put distance between ourselves and them, and you know who the them is in your life, and I know the them in my life, the message we send is Jesus is not for everyone. That must be so discouraging for them. Makes them think that we're better than them. That their chopped liver, bottom of the totem pole, just so teeny tiny, we have no need of them. Perhaps you have been someone's them. A person that someone deplored, ignored. Doesn't feel very good. Makes you feel like you're not enough. Less than, bottom of the totem pole, chopped liver. Not, not encouraging, only discouraging. Dear friends, even though Barnabas, you and I have been discouraging, and so discouraged. Jesus is the, the definite article, the son of encouragement for Barnabas and for every one of us. Jesus is the Barnabas 
who actually lives up to that name and thereby covers all of our shame. All of it. Now, Barnabas must have talked a lot about Jesus, a lot about the Christ in Antioch. And we know this because of the second reading this morning, Acts 11, 23-25. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Do you realize how unexpected this really is? The name Christian, not homegrown. I know it's probably what we thought. Christian is not a name that we gave ourselves. How did that name come about? Well, the outsiders, the pagans, the unbelievers in Antioch saw the guys and gals that followed Jesus the Christ, and they are the ones who gave us that name. Why? Because Paul, Barnabas, and all the Christian church in Antioch, all they kept talking about is this Jesus the Christ. Jesus the Christ. Jesus the Christ. They were a broken record. The attitude of the outsiders, the unbelievers, the pagans, was that these guys and gals that followed Jesus the Christ, they made him the center of absolutely everything. Jesus the Christ, shaped and formed, fueled and fed, Informed, formed, transformed their thinking, their speaking, their doing. And so the label Christian made a lot of sense to them. They only talked about the Christ. <laughs> and that label, that name has stuck through the centuries, hasn't it? And we embrace that title Christian because it says what, or better said, who we are all about. Jesus the Christ. Behold Jesus the greater Barnabas, the perfect Barnabas, the ultimate son of encouragement. Oh, yes, Jesus encourages like no other. And not just some folks, everyone. That's his mission, that's his aim. And we hear this in the, in the OT Old Testament reading. Check this out, Isaiah 42, 6 and 7. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the Germans, a light for the Italians, a light for the Americans, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. These words are actually used by Barnabas and Apostle. Barnabas and Paul in the book of Acts to make the argument for being missionaries to the Gentiles, to the outsiders, to the pagans, to the nations. No Jew versus Gentile. No slave versus free. No rich versus poor. No Republican versus Democrat. No U of M versus MSU. No Ford versus Chevy. No men versus women. Actually, theologically speaking, 
theologically speaking, okay, we do make distinctions, I get that, but theologically speaking, there is no us versus them. For Barnabas, for you, for me, there is only us. The I, a poor, miserable sinner, us. The deserving of death and damnation and hell, us. The shaming and ashamed, us. The discouraging and discouraged, us. The in need of Jesus and his encouragement, us. And what encouragement he gives us. Jesus is the greater Barnabas. He out-Barnabases Barnabas. He doesn't shut out anyone. Anyone. Oh, sure, there are people that slam the door in his face, and we hear that in the, the Gospel reading, but Jesus doesn't slam the door in anyone's face. He leaves the light on for every single human being, especially those who hate him. Because while they have breath, there's hope. There's hope that they will come and join his table, a table where they have a chair with their names on them. Everyone, welcome. Come, everything is ready. That's his invitation. Jesus excludes no one. I mean, look at his dindin parties during his earthly ministry. His earthly ministry, those dindin parties, proclaim that he is a missionary to every single human being. He wines and dines with the rich and the poor, the conservatives and the liberals, the Gentiles and the Jews, the scholars and the blue and white-collar workers. He eats and drinks, he wines and dines, he sips and sups with everyone. At his table, there is no main dish or appetizers or side dishes labeled shame game. He doesn't play the shame game, period. He only scoops out at his table, heaping portions of honor. Honor to you, honor honor to everyone. That's because Jesus bore and wore the shame of the world. All of your shame, all of my shame, all the shame that we have inflicted, and all of the shame that has been inflicted on us. He bears it all. He wears it all. Jesus, naked, he dies. Naked with our sin, our death, our damnation, our hell, naked with all of the ways that we separate and segregate, naked with all of the ways that we dis and dismiss, naked with all of the ways that we put distance and fail to offer assistance, naked with all of the ways that we discourage rather than encourage. Naked he dies. Naked for his first breath and naked for his final breath so that we don't ever have to be naked for any breath. 
And Mark, the evangelist, he brings this out beautifully in his gospel. When the Spice Girls go to the tomb on Easter morning, Mark doesn't say that they are greeted by an angel. He says that they are greeted by a young man clothed in a white robe, and he's seated at the right hand of where Jesus was. A couple days earlier, there's mention by Mark of a young man, and this young man is in the Garden garden of Gethsemane following Jesus and his entourage. And when Jesus is betrayed, when he is shackled, arrested, This young man, he's taken hold of by the guards. He slips away and he runs away naked. The first streaker in the Bible. (laughs) He runs away naked, afraid, full of shame. And then a couple days later, on Easter morning, a young man clothed in white robes. How does this not preach baptism? This is the business of Jesus, the mission of the Messiah. He rises from the dead to clothe our nakedness, to cover our shame. And he does that in the waters of holy baptism. And then he welcomes us to take a seat with him at his right hand, the place of honor, the best seat in the house. We all sit there, folks. There's enough room for all of us. What encouragement! Oh yeah, we're encouraged, for we are baptized into this greater Barnabas, this, 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 this greater son of encouragement, making us all Barnabases. What a beautiful bunch of Barnabases. Sons and daughters of encouragement. And as those who are encouraged by Jesus, we now go and encourage. Because of the son of encouragement, Jesus... We cannot all be Barnabases and live lives of love. We can be Barnabases and honor everyone in lives given to charity and the proclamation of the gospel. Who outside of these four walls needs a boost today? Who outside these four walls needs a bit of encouragement from us? Happy being Barnabases, not just today on the festival of St. Barnabas, June 11th. But happy being Barnabases all year long. What a son. What a daughter of encouragement you are, all for Jesus' sake. Come soon, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.